With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I'm Boyd Hilton. I've been doing this. This is, I feel like, the eighth or ninth season of a long, long running show. Started off slightly shambolically, some decent characterization, um, some good storylines. Um, there was a big hero uh, at the head of the whole Arsenal operation. Um, then I feel it kind of wilted a bit, it got slightly repetitive, slightly tedious. Then in came a new showrunner called Josh about seven seasons ago, I think, and uh, kind of enlivened the whole thing. Um, we're going to big dramas and conflict, particularly about um, the legend at the top of the Arsenal tree at that point. Then we went into big dramatic... Sl- well, not dramatic, slight decline, I feel. Now, as we reach our, what, seventh, eighth season together, Josh? Seventh. Seventh. I feel the show is now in a new, exciting era. We've got a new exciting era, not only in what the fuck we talk about, which is Arsenal, a whole new cast of characters yeah. to excite ourselves. We've got, we've got all new people to talk about. We're on a roller coaster ride in the, before the season starts of, of people coming in, people going out. Incredible storylines, incredible plot lines. Everywhere. I think this is going to be a huge new era for the show. I'm incredibly excited for the season ahead. All I've seen on your Twitter, though, the last 24 hours is moaning about the OA. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. I've never watched, so I can't... No. I thought that's where you were going. This no. like long-running, was... successful thing. <laughs> yeah. That no, that's is... only been on for two seasons. Is it only it's two seasons? It's already over, yeah. So we're way long. Yeah, we're way long. We're like fully established now. We're like one of those deep-dive, long-running Pop- shows, which has like hundreds of hundreds of episodes. I mean, and we're in the age now where people are going daily on their football podcasts. Yeah. yeah football Ramble, we've got it's Five Live Daily. Oh. The Athletic, we might talk about. They've got, you know, podcasts the Athletic, that come. ESPN, yeah. The Telegraph. There is... We appreciate you being here. It's yeah. a bit like when you've been on the plane and you've gone somewhere and they say to you, we know you have a choice with who you fly. Exactly. In exciting personal news, I'm not working for The Athletic, nor are you. No. And nor is our guest. Tremendous A very guest. special guest, who is, though, a proper football journalist, Charles Watts, the Arsenal correspondent of Goal. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, how are you? Very good, thank you very much for having me. You've got your laptop with you. I do. We're, we're, net, we're recording this, by the way, um, it's Tuesday, the, what's the date? 6th of August. Thank you, 6th of August. 5.19 at the moment. <laughs> 5.19. Roughly. We're um, a couple of days away from the transfer deadline. Today. Thank heavens for that. Thank heavens for that. Busy time for you particularly, I'm assuming. We're um, a few days away from the start of the season, we'll obviously we'll talk about that. But it must be particularly hectic. Like As we speak right now, we're in the middle of a Coutinho is he or isn't he situation. So about, I would say a couple of hours ago, someone, L'Equipe, said that he's coming to Arsenal. He's coming, and L'Equipe feels like a fairly reliable, you'd think. You know, it's not some, some rubbish old source. It's a proper newspaper. And then, um, but then other experienced journalists jumped on that saying it's absolute nonsense, it's not true. Where do you stand right now on the whole Cacino story? Live, actual Arsenal-related news, Charles. Right now, and this is probably going to come back to bite <laughs> me, but I, I was told and quote the word, it's, it's utter nonsense, when the, the Lakeep story broke. Um, yeah. 
And so I'm sticking with that at the moment. People that I've spoke to at Arsenal just say it's not happening. I have to caveat that by the fact that I was also told that about Nicolas Pepe about two weeks before he signed. So so you never know, especially with what's going on at Arsenal right now. And there's... Like, it's crazy times, isn't it? It's crazy times. There's so many sort of. There's new people everywhere, and mm. and perhaps the whole Pepe thing. I think that a lot of people who were at the club didn't actually know about it. Um, Do you think I was interested? I'm interested about this because someone said to me the other day. I was thinking about the whole because Pepe. Um, uh, Unai Emery was asked about Pepe Aura, wasn't it, also a couple of weeks ago, and completely denied it, pretty much. I think I'm right in saying, as well as the kind of the kind of context you, you journalists have got. And then, sure enough, he signed about 10 days later. Um, do, you, do you? So someone said to me, a journalist said to me, that one of the interesting things about the new era Arsenal, this whole kind of outgo the previous regime, not just the coach, but the you know all the people at the, t- at the top, Raul and all these people, San Leon and all these people, is that journalists don't have the same... Even the real insider Arsenal journalists, I, mean, I guess like Ornstein, David Ornstein, who's you know famously, they don't necessarily have the absolute clear line route to the truth of what's going on. Uh, absolutely, yeah. you, you look at it since Ivan's left since Arsenal. There, I mean, not so much Arsenal because Arsenal wasn't someone who many journalists were going to dial directly to get the, get the stuff from. But it, there's been a big change, a big change of that, and you see a lot of the stuff breaking right now. Yeah. Arsenal is coming from Spain. It's coming from the people who've known Ralph Sinai for a long time, who've known yeah. Unai Emery for a long time, or Unai Emery's brother, who very you know deals with his communications. And uh, what's Unai Emery's brother's name? I'm not even sure. Bill Emery. He's, he's just always hangs around Dick at the back Emery. of press conference. He's always there. He's always <laughs> about. But I'm not sure he's, <laughs> know what his uh-huh. name is. Okay. Um, but it's a, bit, it's a whole new world at Arsenal. It really is. Yeah. And um, it's an exciting one. I mean, well, like Josh was saying at the beginning of this, I'm going into this season, and I I can't wait. It's a whole. It's a step into the unknown so much. It was yeah. last season as well, but I really think this is the year when the new regime yes. firmly taken charge of how things are going. You've seen that in the transfer window so far, and I think you're going to see a little bit more happening in the next couple of days. So it's, it's an exciting time to be yeah. an Arsenal. I'm, you know, I'm not saying they're going to win a championship or anything like that, but I think it needed a whole new fresh approach. Mm. I think the way you've seen Arsenal work in the transfer market this summer is showing that fresh approach now is very much happening and I think yeah. that's, that's a good thing for the club. And another thing that what, some... Well, what's on. fresh is that we've been given a... There's a big block of money there to spend, clearly, that we well, we, yeah. we thought there wasn't. There's not. Or there's, there's, we've done, you know, <laughs> business cleverly, which is that we found a player from yeah. a club who's willing to take the money in a number of instalments and there's obviously a long-term view about that being sustainable because we're going to at least stay, you know, in European competition. But... Um, the idea, I don't think many fans saw this coming because obviously they see the, seeing the figure, Charles, 70 odd million for, for Pepe. And we were obviously given this figure of 45 million. Or yeah. when we say given, that was what was being reported. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. but no one ever said that. This is, I've, I've been saying this for years. No one, the club, even, even throughout the whole Wenger period, particularly the late Wenger period, where, we, where years would go by without us buying any decent players. Um, famously, one year where we didn't buy any outfield player at all, did we? Like the only. It's a shame he wasn't given some money to spend. Yeah, no, no, but right. Well, this is my point. I'm about to say, and this is not. I'm, I mean, we, I'm sure we will retread the 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 issue weeks and weeks, years on end. But like, no one ever said. No one from the club ever said there's no budget for players in that period. No one ever, ever, ever said that. No one. No, no one goes who, out. Who there. do you think would have said it? Well, he, you know, at various points, he kind of, he, Wenger tried to defend his lack of action in the Chancellor by saying, you know, funds are limited, blah, blah, blah. But even, but what I'm saying is, Wenger even just now, defended no, the board. I'm not, I'm not having a go, I'm not having a go at him. Even, oh, I'm that's saying, good. So I thought we're six minutes into the new season, you're already having a go. General, no, any club, I'm saying, in general, any, you can, you can analyse the outgoings and incomings, can't you? And the, and the state and the profit and loss state of the club. And you, and everyone's aware that, that this, the Cronkies don't put, much, if any, of their own money into the club. But that's different, isn't it? To speculating on the transfer market, having such a rigid fixed budget, which, again, no one ever confirms. No one, no one from inside any club, I don't think, ever says, oh, this is, you've got 45 million exactly to spend and that's it. It's kind of like something, I think there's an assumption that comes from a lot of people looking at the situation and going, oh, well, he's not going to input any of his own money. This is how much is left... You know, if we haven't qualified for the Champions League, therefore they've got forty-five million to spend. But I never bought, bought that idea. Do, am, I, am I right or am I wrong? Do you think? Do you think there was such a tight budget and that we've worked our way round it, or actually are we spending more than anyone expected anyway? Well, I, I don't know if you saw it this this um, summer. I did a series interview with Dick Law, who um, uh, yes. who left, and yes. it was the transfer. It was picture. great. It was fantastic. And he admitted to me that the money was there to be spent during that that time. He, I, I'm just looking at it now. I'm trying to get the exact quote and. Um, you know, he said that they did have the financial muscle to, to compete, but 
they were so worried because Arsenal was running on such a tight budget. They had the, the pressure of the stadium repayments and they had to treat every single penny, he said, as their own. And so they did have the money to sign Hazard from Lille back then. Right. But they decided against it after looking at it because they said, he said they couldn't take the risk. And there was other ones. Um, he mentioned Courtois at the time and, and players like that. So he did. It was the first time that I'd, I'd really heard someone from that era actually admitting that the, the money was there to be spent, but they chose not to because they were a little bit, they were too scared to, to yeah. spend 20 million quid at right. that time. They'd rather spend 10 million and possibly bring in two for 20 um, than just spend at that time. I mean, to say 20 million now, it's nothing. But back then in that mm. era, it was a lot of money. And I feel now we have a regime who are, you know, it, it, it's so, they, they clearly want to make a mark, don't they? I mean, A, I think, you know, these are, these are people who seem to, it seems to be much more open-minded. I mean, the fact they're dealing with these super agents, yeah. that's a big difference. That's very different from, from what Arsenal does. So the Kia Jurabchians, who's, isn't he Coutinho's, Coutinho's agent, agent, which is yeah. interesting. So that could just be, that story could be, oh, he wants to get it out there that he wants to move Coutinho somewhere. Let's do a high-profile story that's going to Arsenal. And then everyone goes, oh, he's obviously not going to Arsenal, but he will end up somewhere. Yeah. In, but just the mere fact that we're now openly doing business with these super agents, who, let's face it, are, are agents to the best players, the fact that we, Wenger wouldn't do business with those people, would he? And that was him, wasn't it? Am I right? And that he, he, he had a kind of moral opposition to those super agents, which, for me, in the world of football, is bizarre. Just to have a kind of take a moral stand in this one particular area is odd absolutely I thought and at that, the game against Leon last week at Emirates Cup I thought it was very it was a sort of iconic moment also, almost that uh, Raul Sanai was sitting next to Jorge Mendes in the, in the director's box I mean that was it's just something would never have happened when, when Wenger was there and Gazidis was there because like you said they didn't it was the way Wenger operated he didn't want to work with these super agents who you know however many people look at it, how they operate and what they do in football and how football's changed because of them. Wenger was very, had, had morals and had certain ways of working and I think you've certainly seen that after Arsenal have moved away from that. Raul is so connected around the world and he's dealt non-stop with these agents. You know, he was a man who helped bring Neymar over and, um, and even Edu coming in, who's him and Keir Rabchin are very, very close. They have been since their time, um, Edu's time at Corinthians and... Um, Kia's is very big in Brazil. He works very closely with someone who, again, is very tight with Edu. So you're going to see more and more of that happening at Arsenal. Whether you agree with it, whether you, you think Arsenal should be operating in that market, it's it's another thing. But I think I it can't is imagine, a way. But you've got to be realistic, isn't it? I mean, it's all very well having a moral. It's modern con- football. Yeah, it's modern football. But what what, what always bemused me about the, the the idea that Wenger wouldn't do? I, I love a part of the great reason we all love Wenger is because of his uh, seemingly moral take on lots of issues, but. Within actual football, within the business of football, it always seemed bizarre, but especially once the club is being owned by Stan Kroenke, who, let's face it, is a fairly right-wing Republican moneymaker, you know, who I don't think, I don't think he's even a vaguely moral figure. And I'm, sure, I'm not saying Wenger approved could do anything about that situation. You know, the club was bought by the Kronkers and he had to deal with it. I mean, in theory, I guess he could have left, he could have walked out. But I think once you're embroiled in that kind of ownership of your club, to, to then take a kind of moral stance on agents seems to me... Not to make any sense. Yeah. Now let's look at let's look at our incomings and outcomings show before we before we kind of go on to how, how our general feeling about um, how we're going to do this season. We've got to look at the we care do you campaign. There's lots of things. Time so much to talk about. Um, but the big one is Pepe, which is you know as you said a couple of weeks ago we thought that just seemed ludicrous. Now we've all kind of adjusted to the to the reality of it. We can't wait to see him. Now what my feeling is that. Even though obviously we need defenders more than ever, but we also really needed someone to knit together our attack, didn't we? Like for me, like that was even though we had brilliant strikers, we've had we've got Özil, we've got some you know creative people in midfield. We have lacked that real attacking threat, unpredictable attacking threat. And I remember watching um, Gary Neville last year talking about what made City and Liverpool uh, separate them from everyone else was their dribbling, attacking threat, their pace and their creativity up front with the strikers. And I've re- it feels to me like we've addressed that point now. Because people, people used to talk about how you know, our, our, our attack was fairly predictable, even with you know, Aubameyang and Lacazette. And that was definitely the case. There was a certain lack of creativity. We got, somehow got the ball to them, and then brilliant, they would score. But often it would be quite painful, the process of shifting the ball up to them. And I feel like Pepe is that guy who could solve that problem. Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely makes sense. I think, look... Everyone knows Arsenal need defenders. Everyone knows Arsenal need centre-backs. But they needed a winger just as much as they needed a defender. There's no doubt about that. I mean, Lacazette and Aubameyang dragged them out of so many holes last season, but they had to do it by themselves. And when 
when they didn't, when they couldn't get the ball, Arsenal, they, like you said, they were, they were starved of of any meaningful possession. And Özil, for all his talents, we know he's one of the best playmakers in the world, but it just didn't really work for him last season. Whether that was because again people didn't give him the ball in the right positions, I'm not so sure. But they needed a wing, and they needed someone who can get the ball, drive at a defence, create space for Aubameyang and Lacazette, and and they've addressed that. They've said, look, he's a, he's a thrilling signing, Nicolas Pepe. Yeah. What a player he is. I don't think anyone really thought Arsenal had much of a chance for him given their budget and um, obviously all the talk was Zaha and Arsenal did want him but it was a deal that was really difficult to get done because of the money the Palace wanted up front Pepe it's kind of fallen into their lap Lil were happy to take it in instalments and it's, it, I'm not. There's not been a signing that's generated this much excitement since Özil uh, at Arsenal and he's he's exactly what they need. They do need centre backs. I'm not denying that, mm. but. I think you look at that strike force now, Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe, however he works out to fit them all in, possibly in a 4-3-3 formation with Lacazette sort of spearheading it. I mean, that, yeah. what, that's going to be so exciting. It, it feels to me like good luck that we didn't that the Zaha thing didn't happen then, doesn't it? Because for me, this is a much better bet than Zaha. I like Zaha. I was excited about the potential of signing Zaha. But he's he's older, isn't he? He's, he's, not, he's had some quite poor seasons, whereas Pepe feels like younger... Better player. You'd argue Zaha has played in the Premier League and yeah. you know been, been here and proven himself. So there's that angle. But I think it came down to the TV money is that big now. Crystal Palace probably just you know felt under no yeah you know no need to sell right right at this time. And I think losing Wan Bissaka at the very beginning of, a, of the summer probably left it in a difficult position. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's very exciting to bring in Gary Cahill to your club in the last couple of days, <laughs> but it's not the same. I think from Crystal Palace's point of view, you know, to lose both of them in the same summer would be, be huge. Even though it felt like everything was set up with him getting a new contract towards, you know, to, in last season, almost to set up, look, we'll give you more money for now, it will ensure we can get a bigger transfer fee for you. But it hasn't fallen that way. It feels like, like I remember that brief period where San, Alexis Sanchez, so obviously, you know, we know what's happened since he left Arsenal, but there was a period where he was, I always felt he was our best player for, for a period. And there was a really brief period, wasn't there, where I think when Aubameyang arrived and before he left, where he, then they would play a couple of games together and they were like, it was pretty fucking good. Am I imagining that? No, <laughs> no, no. He left. He left, um, he left, he left before yeah. then. In that case, I'm imagining him, it must have been him, Lacazette, and someone else who were playing. They, they played a, they, they, we played like a pretty incredibly creative um, upfront lineup anyway that he was involved in, and it looked pretty exciting. And since he's gone, I do feel that obviously he was an egomaniac and all of that, mm-hmm. but it does feel like he's the kind of player we've missed. And that Pepe is that kind of player. Yeah, I mean, you just look at his stats and they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, and you talk about the dribbles, I think his average dribbles per game was more than double that in any Arsenal player in the squad last season. So, and that's exactly what he's going to bring. So, um, He will have the ball taken off him, won't he? But I really hope yeah, Arsenal I mean, fans raw, don't get... Raw. I think yeah. Zaha's, Zaha's more of the finished article when you look at... You talk about he's got Premier, Premier League experience and everything like that. But um, I think the ceiling that that Pepe has is, is so much higher and I don't want to talk too much about sell-on value because hopefully you don't want to see Arsenal selling their best players but you buy Zaha now for that sort of money and Palace weren't going to lower that valuation A, because they had to give 15% of it to Manchester United um, which you know made it almost impossible for Arsenal to negotiate any sort of lower fee um, and so then you're buying a player for that sort of money 80 million quid you're not going to sell him, be able to sell him for anything and suddenly you're in that position that they're kind of in with Aubameyang now, that, um, yeah. which is a difficult one. But Pepe, you know, he could be worth 150 million if he has one good season. So it's, it's, for me, it's a much better signing mm. uh, than, than Zaha. And it's, like I said, that, that attacking... There's, there's not many teams in Europe that can boast the attacking prowess that Arsenal have got now. You'd think, wouldn't you? Because one of the big issues of last year, which people banged on about constantly, was that um, that Emery didn't establish a style or philosophy of play and that he he was very pragmatic and it would be one week this formation, next week that formation, which was true, and he would change it yeah. at half-time and all that. Now, you'd think now, having signed Pepe and still retaining Lacazette and Aubameyang, and even with, I don't know, the Coutinho rumour may well be nonsense, but just the mere fact, I don't know, the mere fact that it's there as a thing, surely must indicate, and Ozil's still there, as you said, um, that... He's got, it's got to be an attacking philosophy, isn't it? With, and especially with... Uh, and we'll move on to the fact we haven't fucking signed any defenders, but apart from the one on, who's going to come in a year's time. So it almost ha- you feel it has to be... The logic has to be, well, he's clearly going to establish some kind of all-out attack style, isn't he? As you say, 4-3-3 in the footsteps of Liverpool and City and all of that. 
I mean, if he doesn't, that's going to be... It's going well, to be it's obviously rare to take it for... Well, you look at our numbers from last year, and the goal scored, I think, was third best yeah. in, in the league behind sort of City and Liverpool was, was streets away. So, you're going to actually, we were fairly attacking last year in terms of you know, yeah. output and, and goals that went in. Yeah, I mean, I always thought the idea that he didn't establish a style in the first thing was unfair, but I'm saying... But there were, you could see there were moments where he was trying to do what he was doing, particularly towards the end of the season when... Aubameyang and Lacazette played most of the games together, didn't they? Which took a while to get to that point. Look, were... it's exciting. I think, you know, look at, look at Liverpool and it wasn't just Salah, it, it was Mane and Firmino yeah. and it was yeah. knowing that three. If you look at the amount of game time that Iwobi got last year, Mkhitaryan got last year, Ozil possibly as one of the front three, it was clear that we didn't have a solution. We didn't know what three. Yeah. It is exciting, the idea that we, we might have a front three, that yes, it will mean that, you know, Lacazette might have to be on the, you know, on the side of a three. But it's exciting to know that just Premier League games come around mm. and we've having got a said, three. I think, said that, I think ideally, look, Emery's always been a 4-2-3-1 manager and he just yeah. did not have the players to play that formation last season. That's right. why, he, and he ended up, because he had no natural wingers, he ended up using the wing-backs for Whitford for the second half yeah. of the season. He basically just gave up on it and thought, I can't do it. I'm just going to get Kalasnach and Maitland-Niles to bomb down there before that was Bellerin. This summer, you've seen him very much playing the four-two-three-one formation. Özil's played at ten, and then you've had whoever in the roles. But I think long term, it's either four-three-three or four-two-three-one, and you've got Özil at ten. You're going to have to play Aubameyang more on the left wing rather mm. than up front. Lacazette central and Pepe right. I mean, and then you've got whoever in the. I mean, Jacker, I think is definitely going to play. Yeah. Love him or hate him, he's going to be captain. <laughs> yeah. So he's going to play more than more yeah. often than not. And then it depends who's it, who plays alongside him. Is it Caballo? Is it uh, Torreira is it Guendouzi but I think and it gives him so many options he's got so many options yeah. going forward now which is which is great even if he does rotate in, in terms of formations and it's it's going to be exciting to watch and it's going to give him a lot of headaches but it is, uh, isn't it? yeah. it's, uh, it's a good position to be in really oh, incredible um, Caballo then as is the proper pronunciation spelt Sabalos Caballo he, so he's like a is he an equivalent of a Ramsey? Is he a Ramsey type player? He's more, of a, he's more of a Cazorla for me. He's a little oh, okay. bit deeper than Ramsey. I mean, right. Ramsey, you know, he got in the box, had that brilliant timing to get in, to get arrive in the box late. I'm not sure Caballo's going to do that when you look at his his goal score records and people I've spoke to in Spain say he can play in a number of positions. He can play 10, but slightly deeper role. I would say you, you sort of look at Cazorla and maybe slightly more dynamic just because he's he's younger, he's got a little bit more pace than Santi, but I, I see him more as that that role, certainly in, in either a a two or if they go four three three he could be the one slightly in the more advanced role in the three in midfield. And do we think and it's quite an odd it's quite an unusual situation, isn't it, to, to, to take a player on loan from such a huge club for a year and there's no automatic no. um buy buy on clause. So it's quite and I've seen some Arsenal fans kind of take the position that, you know, for such a major club as us, you know, what are we doing taking a player on loan? But You've got to, isn't the whole point about this era that you've got to find players where you can? And he's, if he's a really good player, which by all intents and purposes he is, and the kind of player, we, another kind of player we need, which is, you know, we haven't had that Cazorla figure, and we have lost Ramsey, and we have got a certain kind of, I feel like, clunky, clunkiness to our midfield with Xhaka, etc. That he's a great, a great addition, addition to that midfield, isn't I he? I think it absolutely is, and I thought it was a no brainer, really. And I think Arsenal have a lot of. Of lack, they've, they've been a bit one pace to midfield for an awful long time. I think they've yeah, lacked pace that sort of phrase, yeah. dynam, dynamism. And I think you just look at him, like you said, with Miskas all massively since he's gone away. Yeah? And I think you look at the talent that he's got, the the quality they got. You just look how good he was in the under twenty ones in the during the summer. And I think he's going to prove to be a very very good sign. And I've only seen glimpses of him so far in pre season. And Emery's doing what he usually does with with new signings and easing them in. They never go straight into the first team. No, um, but I think it's not going to be too long until he forces his way into that into that first team because I think he's too good to be sitting on the bench and Martinelli or any have you got any any in, intel on him I think he's going to be he's in, in around the first team as soon as yeah. he signed or even before that when it was first started reporting on the fact he was going to be coming over it was always he was going to be given the summer to try and try and force his way into the first team but it's similar to Matteo last season and I think he's done enough to, to yeah. show he's certainly going to be involved in the Europa League and the cup competitions and, and does this mean is this why Eddie and Kate is presumably it looks like going out on loan yeah. for the season is the feeling that Martin has actually got more of an opportunity of giving something to the first team this year I'm not sure I think he sort of plays more on, it, on the opposite side to, to maybe Eddie but because um, I think you sort of look at Eddie more as a either centre striker or perhaps a little bit on the left and I think yeah. Martin Eddie more on the right um, 
uh, but I think Tyrese John Jules signing his new contract and staying because it looked like he could be following Xavier Michi and heading out this summer. And I think that the fact that Arsenal convinced him to stay and sign a new contract, that you'll see a little bit more of Tyrese in the in the um, in the early rounds of the Europa League, uh, certainly as a sort of backup striker, and that will give. Eddie the chance he needs it I think a full season and championship for Eddie is going to be very very good because he's he's one yeah. talented kid yeah that seems to make sense and um, I think another season is sort of kicking his heels on the mm. bench getting a few minutes here and there I don't think it was going to do mm. Eddie any good so I'm quite happy to see did that he's going to go out I watched, like, did you watch the Barcelona friendly at the weekend yeah. which I watched on um, that ridiculous channel Premier Sport Premier Sport thank you I mean ridiculous because technical did you watch it I mean the sound was all over the place I've and seen the highlights. I heard that you could hear the commentary, but no sound effects. Or something. Yeah. Well, yeah. first of all, you can hear anything. Then you could finally hear the commentary. Then you could hear. But both. they were just in anyway. Off tube. Yeah. It's a minor detail, um, but it was interesting that Martinelli, um, when he came on, did look really good, and he, he was very confident, almost arrogant. There was a moment where he kind of almost went for the same ball as Aubameyang and nearly scored, and Aubameyang you know, seemed quite taken aback <laughs> that Martinelli yeah. had arrived. This eighteen-year-old whippersnapper had arrived, and, but but he looked really good, didn't he? And it, he did. He did in the in the uh, in the states as well. I don't know if you saw that run. He he, he went yes. on. I can't remember who was the game. Was it the Fiorentina game? And he yeah, put it. He, yeah. he, it's a shame he put the finish. Why? Because if he'd have scored that, it was been a goal you'd see over and over again. It was just, and again from having watched Arsenal for the last couple of years and just lacking that real electric pace. Uh, aside from Aubameyang, obviously, it was just great to see him do that. And um, I think he's, he's made a big impression, Mark yeah, earlier, And yeah. I think I think you'll see a fair bit of, a yeah. fair bit from him. Um, there's loads more to talk about. We'll talk about what players, what players still might be coming in um, before the transfer deadline. We'll talk about we De- we care to you um, and loads more predictions, of course, for the new season after this break. And we're back from the break. We've, we should also say we've got a new um, sponsor, at least for the first few weeks of the season, Josh. Um, and uh, it's called Match Pint. Yeah, I'm familiar with Match Pint. Are you? Can you explain? Well, what... I, I understand Match Pint to be an app you can download. And if you find yourself somewhere and want to know the nearest pub showing the game of football, you might be interested in, in watching that afternoon. It will tell you uh, where you can find the nearest place showing the game. That's what I understand Match Pint. Which is quite helpful because I, I often find myself. Wondering, well, I don't often find myself wandering around, but you know, in theory, well, I'll, I'll knowing a, where go on, knowing no, no, where I'll the pub is. I, ha- I, oh. I had to use something very similar. I'm going uh, away, going to Cheltenham for the weekend. I will be there during the Newcastle Arsenal game, and need to know where I should be watching the game. Um, good point. They're also doing a thing called the Budweiser Premier Predictor, which is a game for sports fans where you can win beer tickets and more prizes. And how it's going to work is that if you make predictions each round of the televised Premier League games, you can take on your friends or family, um, join Super Leagues, like uh, we'll have one footballistically Arsenal, um, which you compete with us and other fans. And um, you can get, as I say, you can get free pints of Budweiser, points for all your predictions, will win monthly prizes like Premier League matchday tickets and more. And so there's free beer of the first weekend, and there's a launch offer for anyone who sets a prediction before Thursday at 11.59pm, 23.59, who will automatically have a beer added their pri- to their prizes from Monday. And all we have to do is download the free Match Pint, that's Match Pint, P-I-N-T, app, and set your score predictions for the upcoming games. Join the footballistically Arsenal League. Code is F-B-A-R. Thank you very much. So... Let's talk about who might still be coming in because the big that is the big thing, isn't it, to discuss. We've got this incredible array of attacking talent, which I am fucking excited about. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those people who's moaning a huge amount. For me, like this is where I stand on the defenders issue. It is extraordinary that I mean, Koscielny is leaving today. That's been confirmed. Yeah, I mean, this, our... this is a big thing. Yeah, Laurent Koscielny, part of our team. Yes. I noted he had the same number of Premier League appearances for the club as Tony Adams. Is that true? Um, obviously, because Tony was pre-Premier League. There's 255. Oh, OK, right. But, but, I mean, I think he's just around the top 10 in terms of all-time Premier League yeah. appearances. Someone who, in other circumstances, this would be an incredibly sad day. But yeah. it's just, it's been tainted. It's been tainted, and he's been a bit 
difficult, isn't he? And he wanted to free. Is that What's right? What's your understanding? Do you think he was told that he would be allowed to leave at the end of he, the season? People on his side believe he was told that he could leave at the end of the season on a free. But the time he signed that contract, last contract, 2017, was Dick Lord did the contract and Arsene Wenger was obviously there, like we've talked about already. There's a whole new regime at Arsenal. So whether there's been a sort of miscommunication there and people now in, in charge didn't know that. But Arsenal... Have always said since this all came out that there was no, there's been no obligation, and that they fully expected him to see out his contract. Um, so yeah, I mean, mm. look, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm an Arsenal fan. I'm fortunately right about the club as well, and I've loved Koscielny. I think there's an argument that he was the best, certainly best defensive signing in the Emirates era at Arsenal, but almost not the best so signing <laughs> at the Emirates era at Arsenal, yeah. given what he's, what he's done. He's doing two goals. At, in a row to get us into the Champions League on a final day of the season, cup final equalising goal. He's done huge amounts, but I can't believe the way he's left and the way he went about it. And I just, I'm really, really disappointed that the way it's all, it's all played out. Yeah. And it's really I feel sad. it reflects a little bit the late Wenger period where players were given what they wanted and could kind of have there's a complacency. <laughs> yes, I am blaming Wenger. There's a complacency about the whole setup, everything from top to bottom. One and I feel like say, this is this on. is a leftover from that. And I feel it's great that the club have put their foot down, got a fee for him. I know it's a, minis- a small field, five million or something, but just the principle of it. Just you know, don't play that game of just giving everyone what they want, being nice to everyone. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to do proper business. And I'm this with feels you like that. on this void. I have to say, I'm, I think Josh is going to come. Look, with look I don't know. I, I think. I, I don't know what was told to him, no. but it seems a real veer away from what we had expected of Lauren Koscielny. I can't say I know him. I'm sure you know someone had much more interactions with him and interviewing him. But this seems an unlikely act from someone who wasn't given the impression they could. They it was could unlikely, but he did clearly refuse to play and to come on the tour, didn't he? he refused to play. Absolutely. I mean, that's. Yeah. No, no, I, I can't defend it whatever, because whatever's gone on, how can the captain refuse to go on a tour? I mean, incredible. Just yeah. go on the tour and try and get your move. Yeah. Carry on right. and try and get your move. That's why even Pogba This would even... never have happened under Wenger. I do appreciate that because. Right, Wenger, in a bad way. Because Wenger, Wenger would, would have never let. Right, that was PR because of what it means to the club and the idea that yeah, the club was... have been embarrassed, which they have. But, but the club wanted to put, it, put this out. They were, they, you know, they were no, there was no hiding it. Second, this. Koscielny well, they have to. to. You can't. I mean, he'll be well, seen they, at London. They could have easily said they could have easily said he was ill and not gone on the tour because he was ill. And, and then they immediately going into training. They, I, I think it's a hard one. Once you know he's not gone, this, and there's no. This injury. reflects well on the club and back. Oh, I think the club I think played, played, it, played it really. Yeah, there's well, no way around. Like, Given and, the situation, they've been forced to handle it like they have. I don't, I don't agree with that. But anyway, the bigger picture is that we've lost him. One of our even even is his rickety recent. Period. Still, he was the out first name on the team sheet at the end of a season. Centre back. If he was fit, if he was fit. Wise, yeah, um, we've got Socrates. I know Holding's coming back from injury soon. Not not yet though. Is he's kind of he's he played. Playing... Yeah, he played sixty minutes for the under twenty threes right. this right. week. But I don't think you'd be seeing him in the first yeah. team picture. Probably too after the right. first international break. We've got the world's worst defender in Mustafi. And, I mean, he didn't play <laughs> him in the friendly against Barcelona from the start. He came on and we let go of him within about a minute. And I know it was a brilliant goal, but he's definitely was standing there watching it as he usually does. And I know someone tweeted both of us, didn't they, yesterday, saying, "Don't be too harsh." You see that on, on Mustafi, and you know, don't he's getting bullied by the fans. I mean, well, it's embarrassing. But I feel like this is one of the situations where we know we're not like it's not like we're sending him death threats. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm never booed a player in my life. But I'm fully with him. I feel I'm fully as a fan of the club within my rights to say he is one of the worst defenders in the history of the world. Booing ever. him can help. Oh, I'm not, I don't advocate booing him, but he's got. We've got to get rid of him. That's what I'm saying. We've got to be harsh about him because he's terrible and he's one of our big, big problems to me. I mean, I'm allowed as a fan to take that line. Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't think it's bullying just to say in public forums like this and online, you know, to say he is absolutely terrible and shockingly awful. And we've I, got to sort I think there's a, there's a shout to say he's the worst signing in the history of Arsenal Football yeah. Club, Mustafi. Yeah. Not, I'm I saying he's the worst player, but for £35 million pounds yes. and the wages that he spent, there's a, there's a good argument that he's, he's right up there, if not the worst signing in Arsenal history. I mean, uh, and that's before people have a go at me. That's not, I'm, like I said, I'm not talking about his ability because on his day, he's a decent enough defender. We've seen it at times, but... Just that inability to not switch off and do something ridiculously stupid has just cost Arsenal time and time again. It's cost him time and time again. And for me, he has to go. He has to leave. It's an untenable situation, him staying now. The fact that fans are booing him, I think, is awful. It's not going to do him any good. And, you know, his confidence is already shot and that's not going to help him. But um, I just can't see a way that it's it's any good for the club, any good for him to to stick around. But... 
the word coming out is that um, is that he's happy to stay and fight for his place. But <laughs> I don't. And, I'm, and look, he earns good money, and he's not going to get that money elsewhere. So whether he's if he's happy, I, see, I don't know if his confidence is shot because I looked. I watched him coming on on you know against Boston. Who knows what you know? He looked as kind of pompously kind of arrogant as ever and I feel there's a complacency to him that's for me that's his but it's almost like an overconfidence that he almost doesn't he almost has a kind of lack of awareness of his own incompetence mm-hmm. that he, he just kind of struts around kind of looks the part of what you want a central defender to be but just is just doesn't pay attention to what's going on. He's, he's a real enigma and as you say one of the worst but the bigger picture with our defence for me is that the whole team for, for the last five, six, seven years, however far you go back, has been institutionally incapable of defending, right, as a whole. Absolutely, you know, all the way through with terrible coaching or lack of coaching. And I feel like, the, so for me, I'm almost like, I've almost, and I've said this a lot last year, that going all out attack, going for the, you know, the old Kevin Keegan Newcastle style, you know, we'll score five goals and they score four. It might be the only, actually, the only common sense approach because, and I, I'm not saying I don't want us to sign a big defender. I'd love it if we sign the equivalent of Van Dijk tomorrow. you a slight disservice to who we've got at the club? Oh, am I gone? I don't know. I just... Like who? Well, <laughs> Mustafi holding... not that far. In terms of the season, you know, 38 Premier League games, he should be around for 30, 32 of them, in theory, if he, if he comes back and he's played... For Hector's pros and cons and his oh, yeah, I love Hector, yeah. brilliant right back. Now, who knows what Rob Holding is 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 going to be this season? It is hard to tell. And I don't know, Monreal Kalasnac to so appoint Kalasnac. Well, terrific parts of last season. But Kalasnac's big big pluses is attacking. I mean, he was literally our main attacker and also for half protecting of the season. Ozil from thugs. Which we should right. mention. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah, incredible. incredible. I think hero. maybe he'll you know he's a folk hero. He'll forever be a hero now. Yeah, he but, could do a Koscielny. Wouldn't mind. Yeah, but what I'm saying is against Barcelona, you know, it was classic Arsenal, wasn't it? Where, you know, we played really, really well and things were looking really, really good and we were 1-0 up and then you have that collapse and you go 2-1 two, one, two and down within, within the of an eyelid. And that's, it summed up everything. And I know they're Barcelona and they're pretty great and they brought on some brilliant players. But I don't feel like... I, I don't feel like this defence... without. If you're not going to bring in a huge, huge, big defensive star in the next couple of days, and who knows, and they're trying to, Look, hopefully... Said, certainly if we, if we get, and we all don't know how to... Is it Tyranny? How we be pronouncing? Tyranny. Tyranny, Tyranny yeah, yeah. From Celtic. Who, who, that has gone on so... It, it feels, I know Charles, you were saying, but you feel like that will happen. I feel like it will happen because they've spent the whole summer <laughs> on it. But the fact that he's injured, yeah, he's and injured he might not be around yeah. for another couple of months. And right, I yeah. do wonder if they've played it out to this light because they've saved themselves six weeks worth of wages rather than bring him in at the start of the summer. That would be classic when, awesome. when they knew he was injured. But, you know, they've spent, and, and this goes back two or three years, the interesting thing yeah. as well. It's not a new thing. They've wanted him for a long time. And it's so public. Like even you know, Neil, Neil Lennon has spoken so openly about yeah. it. Yeah. And also, it doesn't feel like there's a massive rival that's about to take him off us. There's no one better top six wise who's going to be after him it feels like that will happen if he comes in by the time he's back Bellerin's back we could have two quite you know good you know fullbacks yeah but the problem is the centre back isn't it because Shelney and Mustafi Shelney's gone Mustafi's still there who do you think will be our two centre backs if we don't sign anyone this coming right season, now. yeah, who would you? Well, I think so. On on Sunday, it's going to be Socrates and Chambers at the moment, and yeah. I think Chambers is well ahead of Mustafi. But Henry's basically been Mustafi off now. It's that he's, and who do you think when he's done with back and holding fit. Socrates? If Arsenal don't sign anyone, Holding and Socrates. It might not Socrates. be as terrible as we all think. And Leno had a good season. Like if Holding stays fit last season, Arsenal comfortably finishing the top four. Uh, I think he was playing that well. well I agree and, with that. Uh, yeah, I think I agree, Arsenal yeah. comfortably yeah, that was a devastating loss. Which, which it, it really not was. Enough Followed people... immediately by Bellerin as well. Right. It was just awful. Two huge losses. I agree. This year, They're like I new hope, signings. I hope I like, like Maitland-Niles, but he played too much football last year compared to what we might have thought a player of his level should be playing. Possibly the same a bit further up the pitch with Iwobi. Now, I think we won't see those two. We're not going to see Elneny. You know, El we'll see less of Gwendouzi. There is a stronger squad to get a little bit positive about. I, 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 I'm, I'm loving your positivity and I agree with you to a large extent. But what I'm saying is I think that with... I, I still think that defence of... Chambers and even Socrates, even Socrates, whatever he pronounced it, is fully capable of fucking up. And the whole team is just—I feel like they're in, unless I feel we, I think we it's need good it. enough to come forth. That's what I think. Oh, to it come is. forth, you're right. But that's you're all right. we're going for. So what are you worried about? Because in the end, if one of those players gets injured, which will happen, because it's Arsenal, and we always get these kind of injuries, then we then we end up being fifth or sixth. I just feel if we brought in. A, 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 you know our equivalent of the Van Dyke, and we're, so we've been linked with Pamecano. Is that how you pronounce it? Pamecano yeah. from Leipzig. There is definite interest in him. Right, he he would be a big. That would be a huge big. If we got him, a big central defender, 
who's apparently really good. And on top of all the other, that would be a, that would be one of the greatest transfer windows ever. Would be it? a good transfer. Though. I can't. I I still don't believe Arsenal are going to get him. As much as there is interest to leave this so late, it's going to be a very big big deal. And Leipzig are no pushovers in there when it comes to negotiations. And I start. I don't see where Arsenal get the money to get this one done in time and be able to convince Leipzig to part with him. Admittedly, Leipzig they don't have to work to this deadline on Thursday because they've got a whole month right. to bring in a replacement. So that might. That might help Arsenal, but I think it'll be a tough one to do. I think if they're going to get anyone, I think Daniel Regani from Juventus. Oh yeah, he was the other one. Is on loan an easier, a slightly easier option to get over the line, and I do think they will sign a centre back. I'll be if they go if they don't before Thursday at five pm. I'll be stunned. The fact that they've sanctioned Koscielny. Now I think they have to. Yeah, just in terms of numbers, it feels they, like they very, have to. They, they can't go into the season with a worse, with worse defensive right. options exactly. than they finished last season <laughs> exactly. with. So they, they have to do something. But yeah. I do think Regani is probably the most likely option. They had a loan bid for him rejected last week, and that was for a two-year loan with an option to buy at the end. And whether they have to sort of go over and say that we'll give them a right, one-year loan and a decent loan fee and to tempt Juve into doing business. Because I know Juventus got a little bit of issues over Chiellini's fitness, and they're a bit worried about letting Regani go. But I think that that might be one that that works out slightly easier for Arsenal to get over the line than a Pamecano. I can't even pronounce it. Pamecano. Pamecano. We'll go with that. Pamecano. I think um, I think that will be just a slightly easier one to get over the line, and then have him for a year, and then Saliba comes in next year, and, yeah. the, and it's look, and it could be looking good. I think long term, you look at Saliba and holding that could be a very good partnership. Oh, I mean, if Saliba, oh, if Saliba was here now then I'd be like, brilliant. And this is the greatest transfer window ever, or once, certainly for years and years and years. But that, that's just a, sl- that's a real like, slight flaw to me. That we, I mean, I love the fact that we've got him, because everyone's saying how brilliant he is, but the fact we have to wait that year is just a yeah. fucking, just a little like niggling pain. I like the fact that Arsenal did that deal. They yeah, wanted definitely. a player and 100%. they got him. Whatever, whatever it took, they went out there and got him and they identified him. And I heard about that in April. I ran a story in April that Arsenal had made him yeah, that is target. And the fact that they got it over the line and they did what it takes to get it over the line and they beat Tottenham to him in the process, you know, yeah. I just thought it was a good... Again, that was the new regime doing yes. what they needed yes. to get a deal done. So we should say, with the new regime, we're all, I, I feel like there's a... I'm, I'm incredibly excited about the whole thing, the new regime. This is exactly why I wanted to change from top to bottom in the club. But we should talk about the We Care To You campaign because I completely understand that campaign and I, can't, and I completely support it in a way because that's about the Cronkies, isn't it? And that's about um, saying... There's a complacency about the way the club treats the fans and the way, you know, the way all kinds of issues about ticketing at the Emirates and, you know, sometimes you get thousands of seats empty, the atmosphere, and that, and that they kind of assume it'll all be fine anyway, even though, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of operating at a, a level below which we could as Arsenal. We're in the Europa League level, you know, and we should be in the top of all of that. But I wonder whether... But also, to be perfectly honest, I do feel like... Like, if we hadn't have signed Pepe, particularly him, I feel like I would have been complete. And I know this is, it's not just about signings. I know all that. But I'm just talking about emotionally and, and you know, in the, in the way fans do think. And I'm just a, f- a fan of Arsenal. I kind of feel, well, I would have been much more concerned at the barricades, manning the barricades for that campaign, if we hadn't actually have made these signings. Because this does show we are ambitious. And I feel like that is a big part of, 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 of the excitement of being an Arsenal fan. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the Pepe deal has, has helped, I, I, I think, probably sort of quieten the discontent a little bit that yeah. was caused by the We Care Do You campaign when it was launched. But like you said, it was not, it's not so much about signings and transfers. I'll get. It's more about just how the club is run, the feeling that the club, the, the fans feel more separated from the club than they ever have done and things like that. But Kroenke's never going to plough a load of money and he's not that no. sort of owner. He's never been like that. And and so he, he runs Arsenal's self-sustaining model. That's how it's going to operate. And I don't think you can say that Arsenal haven't spent much money in the last few years because they have done. You take yeah. the, the summer of Czech out of it when Czech was the only yeah. player sign, which was a farce. But other than that, they've, they've spent an awful lot of money. They've just spent it terribly. Yeah. I mean, you look at that summer of Mustafi, Jacob, Perez. It's like 80 million quid. But, you know, basically, you know, Jacob's done, done all right and he's still mm. there now. But it's a lot of money that they've wasted yeah, on it's, really, yeah, really true. poor transfer yeah. dealings. Yeah. What's your feeling about We Care Do You, Josh? Well, I was just going to make a point on what, what Charles was saying. I was told by a really a, a good source that even this summer, there was an offer that would have seen the Cronkays get a 10 times return on the investment they put into the club. 
Which they turned was, down. That was turned down. There, yeah. there was just not even a, a request to have a meeting. It was just flatly, we are not interested in selling. The, the price is totally irrelevant. So I think as fans, we have to accept they are, they are absolutely here for the, for the long term. Mm. Whether their motivation is what we would like it to be, I think there has to be a, an element of reality. I worry that people who think there is an ability to, to reconnect with a club and this days of having the marble halls and Arsenal doing things in Arsenal way, is sadly gone. I don't know what the Cronkies could do, if I'm honest, to, to bring that back. I'm trying to, to think of things. I mean, you saw Arsenal partner with like the Camden Brewery to be the new mm. beer partner in the stadium, and that seemed to get fans quite happy. You've seen them go with Adidas, who have made incredible content over the summer and get this retro feel, and that's been a positive sort of step. We've seen them spend money on the pitch to probably take us forward from what we've done in the last two years. And if we don't, I think there'll be questions asked of the manager because I think if he doesn't get us in top four this year, that, that will be a failing. And you could possibly ask last year, was that a, a small failing given the position we, we got in? I understood the sentiment of the we, the we Care to You. I don't think it's fair to think that we suddenly got busy in the transfer market as a result. Oh, no, I'm not saying I mean, that. No, no, no. I, I sort of, though, that people on Twitter, well, it's never easy people on Twitter, it sort of felt there was a really immediate, it was impressive in a way. I know people, are, I think Josh Cronkay, whatever he said, was going to get slated. I don't know what he, it, yeah. I could have probably written that, if I was on his side, I'd have been writing a very, very similar speech for him, as I think maybe you would have done if I was on his PR team. So, I think it's exciting to see that they have signed some players, um, and I, I worry what really could be done to give Arsenal back some of the DNA which is lost. I just think it's a sign of the times. And I wish I had more of an answer as to what, mm. what they could do. But I don't know. I, guess I think just... the biggest thing is people want to see Arsenal on the pitch competing properly. And we haven't competed properly in yeah. a title race for some time. Yeah, because he is the ultimate absentee owner, isn't he? I mean, he's literally never, ever there. I but think Josh, Josh, is Josh, is suddenly... his, Josh is a guy who's, he's, right. you know, he's Josh, been here a lot more than, than Stan. Stan's just not going to no. go, like you say. He's no. very much... But he was also... And also the only... and I, I, You know, the only kind of rich owner of a, of a major club that doesn't invest any of his own money at mm. all, which is pretty extraordinary. But having said that, you know, clearly... Now we found, we're finding a way with this with these people working behind the scenes to to to, to buy world class players seemingly so and that's what matters really. There's but a new hierarchy, that, 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 right? That you, hi- know, that you have hierarchy. to give the club credit. You know, it's this is what we're saying. It's, uh, Six months ago, we were going. Where? This is a shambles, weren't we? We were all saying, "All right, you know, we, we were trying to get in the top four. The, 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 the whole performance of the last season collapsed towards the end, and all of that, and it felt like all the old issues were still there. But now, I do feel by hook or by crook, somehow we've ended up with a structure, a pretty impressive setup, and they do seem to be doing a good job. Those people. And now it's up to now we, we, we can see properly. We can be fair to Emery and see can he? You know, all of the people who know what they're talking about, football experts, who are the ones who weren't slagging him off for being really rude and obnoxious to him, were saying give him time, give him two or three transfer minutes. Well, now we can start to see what's he going to do with this ta- more talented squad. And I feel it's really exciting. So even though I do completely support we care to you, and yet I am I can't stop myself from being actually really optimistic with the setup. It's all on Emery now this season. I think it's a yeah. massive season. He's got one, well, two years left to his contract. If, if he, he either at the end of this season has to be given a new contract or given the boot. Right. And so I think these first six months are really, really big for him now. And I think the, the hierarchy at the top of Arsenal, they won't hang around. If, if things aren't going well, they'll make a change because they're not going to give him a new contract just for the sake of it. So if he's not performing, if he's not using the tools that they've given him to perform and get Arsenal back towards the top four, I think it's, it's, um, it, there'll be a change. So it's huge pressure on him now. Yeah, he really has to perform this season. Yeah, incredibly exciting. This is what we wanted. This is, you know, people would say, be careful what you wish for. This is what I wished for, is this an exciting new world of Arsenal. Before we get to the traditional um, ending of the podcast in which we discuss our predictions for the game, for the first game of the season, I would like to welcome a new special guest who is Raphael Wakefield, who is doing a show at the Edinburgh Fringe called Vengable. Raph, hello. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you very much. Pleasure. So, so um, what the hell is this show? Is it, are you impersonating Austin Wenger? Is, is that how it's going to work? Uh, I'm actually impersonating basically everyone except Austin Wenger. So the show is basically... Um, it's me doing a one-man comedy version of his era at Arsenal, and it's kind of um, interspersed with 
some video clips of him so you you, you know people who don't know who he is have a, have a sense of what's going on because <laughs> that is a challenge um but uh yeah it's, it's mostly impressions of all those people and it goes across the whole the whole story and uh ends up kind of hopefully drawing some lessons from for wider life from that story so impressions of who who who's among your among your repertoire of impressions then Oh, right. Uh, well, Mourinho is quite a big one in the mm. show. He's a bit Midland, as you can probably imagine, from, from the whole show. Because it's, it's obviously done in a way that is pretty sympathetic to us. Um, so, so, yeah, Mourinho is one of them. Um, but, then, but then also I have to put in people like uh, Stan Kroenke and Alice Erismanov. And I don't, obviously, Silence Stan, we don't know, you know, an impression of him would be fairly dull. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, so he becomes this kind of brash American guy. And then you have Erismanov doing all the Russian things. And, um, yeah, there's, there's, there were little snippets of sort of Gary Neville, a bit of Mick McCarthy here and there. Mick um, McCarthy? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Just why not? Yeah, yeah. Bit of Mick McCarthy, why not? Yeah, that's a good Mick McCarthy, yeah. yeah. I've got I've got a question for for you, Ralph. Is it true J- James of Gunnerblog fame is he's involved somehow? He is involved. Yeah, yeah. So he's directing it. So he was also so he he also has a, a, a sketch comedy group called Beast, who are very very good. But he is uh, yes. Yeah, so I just I I found his email off a, off a photo on Twitter a while ago, and I just emailed him with the idea, and he said, yeah, let's let's go for it. And, and it's it's going really nice. It's it's you know it's. it's uh, Luckily, is getting a response from people who are not just uh, interested in Arsenal and football, which is which is nice. Has anyone turned up yet in an Arsene Wenger mask? I only ask you because I have a few left over from my stag, and I'm coming to Edinburgh at the end of the month. I'm happy to bring them all up and just hand them out. Yes. It might be your last show. I think I'm coming up at, right at the very end of the festival. <laughs> that would be great. I mean, if I could have a, one row in maybe one of the middle rows, just they're all Arsene Wenger, and everyone else is not in on it. It's, it's completely baffled would be quite fun um, but nobody's done that I've, I've had a few people in Arsenal shirts come and Frank Skinner came on the on the second day wow. just totally out of the blue um, and I was under the impression he was a West Brom fan I think he still is but he was he was very very nice so yeah it's it's, it's is, so is this is, so this the whole thing is about Wenger though is it so is it is this a tragedy is this a modern day tragedy or is it like a celebration is it like you know the story of a man who achieved extraordinary things a genius who changed the face of football and then drifted into slow steady decline or are you like a kind of Josh obsessive who refuses to admit that he ever declined well yeah I mean <laughs> there's a, yeah I mean the the, the the tragedy instinct is is kind of right it's kind of like a I suppose it's sort of a mournful, it's mournful for him, right. but hopeful for his ideas, I suppose, if that's... If that's oh, that makes sense, sense. yeah. Okay, there's a yeah. poignancy to it. Sorry? There's a poignancy to it beneath the comedy. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I hope so, yeah. It's, it's kind of, um, it's, it's interspersed with the whole, I guess the whole idea is about how you define success, whether that is in football mm. or just in white life. And, um, you know, there's the accumulation of status and, and trophies of various kinds, literal and otherwise. Uh, and then there's kind of trying to do something that you believe in. Um, and uh, and like that kind of interacts with the fact of, you know, doing something like oh. <laughs> doing, a, doing a comedy show. So, um, so yeah, I guess, I guess that's the kind of idea oh. behind that. So so, it's hopeful for that, but oh. for, for, for the man. I'm looking forward to coming out to Edinburgh and seeing it. But just tell us, for, for Arsenal fans listening or who are thinking of making the trip, already got a trip arranged to Edinburgh, how, how do they get tickets? Where are you on? What time? Uh, it's on uh, Assembly uh, George Square Studio 4 at 1.20pm. Uh, I mean, there's things on, literally, there's things on at all times. I mean, it doesn't sound like a, a time that a show should be on, but it, it, up here is reasonable. Uh, um, yeah, it's at 1.20pm, and uh, you can get tickets from the Assembly box office, which is at, uh, or, or just tickets.edfringe.com, and then search Vengable, um, and, it'll, and it'll come up there. And it's yeah. running till when? It's running until the 26th every day, apart from the 13th, but running until the 26th. I am going to come and see it because I'm in Edinburgh on the 20th. I'm working at the TV Festival and I'm going to absolutely come and see it. It sounds great. It sounds great. I look forward to seeing you there. Fantastic. Well, I will will lend you a mask. I'm going to lend you a mask for for the trip up. Raf, thank you so much for joining us. We wish you every success uh, with the show over the next few weeks. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Raf. Bye. Bye. Splendid, splendid bonus, Josh. Um, so here we go. Traditional. Um, Are we predicting the whole season? <laughs> yes. 
Well, what I thought we'd do is, not every single match, that would take too long. No. Um, and I feel Charles is like losing the will to live because we've been kept him here a long time and he's given us a lot of e- expert input. But what we'll predict the score for Sunday against Newcastle, two o'clock, first game of the season. Then we'll predict how we'll do, I think, in the league. And generally, you know, we'll, what, how will the season play out? Will we, will we win cups? Will we win, will we win the Europa? That kind of, you know, how do you think we'll do? And then maybe this at the end of the season, which we kind of should have done this before previous seasons, we'll, we'll see who was the most active. Accurate, certainly out of us two, and we'll, maybe we'll invite Charles back for the last podcast of the season. That would be a lovely bit of yeah. symmetry. How about that? So I'm gonna, actually going to write these predictions down. After the, uh, my notepad. After the Europa League final, when it, we've won that, we'll review this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Charles, what, hey, first of all, what's going to happen against Newcastle on Sunday? Oh, I, oh, no. It's a tough one, isn't it? It's is a tough one. I don't, I'm not sure he's going to play it. No, right. Is, is he's going to start. Is, is, is he going to be fit? Is Pepe? I don't yeah. think Pepe will I would play. be surprised if he played 5 3 2 <laughs> reverted. Oh, like no, that. no, he'll play for. I think Willock starts for me. I think. I wish just, Willock's had a great pre season. Terrific pre season. Very exciting. Munich today, he's been linked with. Oh, my God. Sky they can Sports fuck off. Nah, no, it's not. not no, no, I can't see it. been anyway, too involved in pre season. It must be in the middle of contract talks for a story like that to come out for me. Um, I think he'll start, though. Yeah. I think then Nelson and Mkhitaryan fighting for a position. Hopefully Nelson. Mkhitaryan's um, been disturbingly he pre- was ever present, isn't he? Against he was shit. Yeah. And yet Nelson got hooked at half time, which I didn't understand because Nelson was, was yeah, bright. That was weird. Um, so yeah, a lot depends on Lacazette being fit. Oh, look, Newcastle, I don't think are going to be great. I'm not sure their new signings would have bedded in by now, by then. So I'm going to say a scrappy to a mirror image last season, two one to Arsenal at St okay. James's. Oh, I like it. Okay, Josh, I'm going to go one one. Right. I'm going to go for a very optimistic... My, my, my middle name is Optimism now, and I'm going for 3-1 to us. Blind I notice no optimism. one predicts a clean sheet for Arsenal. Oh, no, I mean, that's never going to happen. <laughs> I mean, we get used to that. I feel it's going, to be, for a the season, it's going to be a thrilling roller coaster ride this season. Hey, we're excited. It's, we're going to get infuriated by it. For the whole season, so I'm saying now we're going to finish fourth. Yeah. Um, I think Spurs will finish below us. Probably. Anyway, but I think we'll finish fourth, which I think will be fine. I think it'll be great. I think it will all be fantastic. Yeah. I think we, I don't think we'll win any other cup. So I think it's all about finishing fourth. I think that's going to be, I think we'll go quite far, you know, in the FA Cup, quite far in the, wherever the other one is, the League Cup. Europa League, probably, you know, qualify some of us on something. But I think our focus has to be on the league and I think we'll get it and finish fourth. I think that'll be okay. How about you? I'm with you exactly on fourth. Oh, okay. Yeah. The cups is so. I mean, it's impossible. Yeah, I mean, How do you predict exactly. a cup? Because you get right. drawn at Man City away in round four or five, and you're done. I think we'll have respectable cup performances without winning any of them. Yeah, I, 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 th- I really think we'll get in the top four this year. I, okay. I, I think we can come above Chelsea this year. I do expect us to be behind City, Liverpool, and unfortunately, probably Spurs for another year. But it should be uh, should be fourth and. Look, we can only go one better in the Europa League than we, we did. We were so close last year in getting to that final. So yep. fourth in a in a big run in Europe and, and we'll take it. Charles? I'm gonna I'm gonna say fourth as well. I do think Spurs will finish above Arsenal. I'll be surprised if Arsenal get yeah. get above me, even with the signings of, uh, that they've made in terms of attacking. Wise look, you asked me in, in 48 hours' time, it might have a completely different uh, Yeah, completely it's a big it's a big four hours. For isn't it's it? a massive four yeah. hours. But um, but I, I think fourth and um, I think I think they might go one better. I think they might just do the Europa League this year. Oh, okay. I think that, I don't yeah. think he's going to take it near as seriously in the group stages. But once again, today's latter the latter right. rounds. I think they might just right. they might just do it. And the current breaking news that evolved over the period of over the course of this recording is that Net Spurs are now favourites to sign Coutinho because Sky Sports News is saying that he doesn't want to come to Arsenal and Arsenal aren't interested anyway. But Spurs are. And the other thing that's happened during this podcast is Koscielny has done a little oh, yeah. video of his unveiling where he has taken off a Puma Arsenal shirt um, signifying that that is the last... Did they not get given one? Do you oh, think yeah. when the Arsenal players get handed a shirt... He just I, didn't, I, didn't I get hope get he doesn't get given one because he doesn't deserve one. I'll tell you that. No, clearly. Well, he does have a big Puma collection from the last nine years that he could select from. It is a bit embarrassing that he doesn't have an Adidas, a proper Adidas current Arsenal shirt for that. Someone video. in the Bordeaux... Yeah. It, video team has just got that idea that they have to do the shirt thing of course, and that's all they've been able to get hold of he's taken piss a little bit though I mean I, I can't believe he's agreed to do that to, to be honest it's gone out on their official Twitter account it's, it's, it's a strange it's, one it's a little bit of a dig definitely it is, it is ridiculous it's embarrassing and it's a fittingly weird end I feel to this podcast of, a, of, a, of an exciting thrilling optimistic new era Josh a new era of Adidas kits of Camden 
brewery beer in the stadium. You'll be excited by that up in club level. Be able yeah. to get get hold of that at half time, presumably. Yeah, apparently it was warm when they served it at, um, at the, the Emirates Cup. Emirates Cup, yeah. So hopefully they've sorted that out. Okay. The start of the season. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't like to think you'll be getting warm beer in club level no. during the season. That'd be it'd be terrible. Um, so yeah, massively excited for the season and to do the seventh uh, year of podcast with you. And we should say we put out a tweet or, or the other day asking about suggestions of oh, people yeah, we might guests. want to see as guests yeah. and there were some amazing replies yeah. and I, I promise to endeavour to, to get to work on it and in inviting Good. people so if we look out for it if you haven't got Lee Dixon on this podcast within the next three or four weeks I'll be furious that's all I'm saying I'm going to give it my best shot good. I think well he gave a thumbs up didn't he which was a good sign and we, we always have some he good did. connections to him so we'll, we'll get to work on that but if you've got any other ideas and you're listening then let us know if you feel so inclined to leave a review for the podcast on uh, any nice of the platforms review. yeah don't bother if it's a yeah. crap review just yeah. saying that Boyd's not right. talking about Beanburgs is enough if it's a nice review please do leave it but we're, we're thrilled to be back it's lovely to see you again Boyd and thank you thank so much to Charles you. for being here for the opening and week and Charles if you want to follow Charles on Twitter it's Charles underscore Watts that's the one thank you very much for having me chaps and I must say if you didn't get a chance to read Charles's uh, work with Dick Law the interviews just really quickly was that a hard get very hard to get it because that was terrific no, insight no one's fighting. he'd never done one for, for 20 years since he was here and, uh, so yeah I'm very privileged that he decided to go with me but yeah if you didn't took, read it, it took a bit of schmoozing during the summer to get him so I, I was just very google happy or look through back on just like google Dick Lord because there was so much insight particularly I love the Suarez um, insight about the 40 million and one being purely symbolic and they just yeah, he could that write a book he really yeah, could write amazing. a book about everything yeah, that that is is, and he is a fascinating person because he literally knows everything isn't he it's like he knows where the bodies are buried I was convinced he never existed I thought I think yeah, right, I, I honestly yeah. thought he was just this phantom man created by Arsene Wenger to sort of take away the heat a little bit yeah uh, but no he very much exists and he was a, he was a pleasure to talk to and to work with fantastic thank you very much well thank you for listening and we'll be back next week bye this is a playback media production to listen to all our football podcasts visit playbackmedia.co.uk sports social podcast network it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.